Hi guys, if you're listening to my podcast, I'd like to say welcome and thank you. My name is Cecilia. I really appreciate you listening to me and I appreciate the support. Um, I hope you guys are well. I hope you guys are staying warm. Oh my God, it's so cold outside. <gasps> huh? Is September supposed to be cold? Because I'm actually confused. <laughs> like it's super cold. As of Sunday, the weather just like took a turn. Because last week it was sunny, like it was okay. Then Sunday it just became dark, gloomy, rainy, cold. And I'm like, <laughs> so it's actually so cold. Even as I record this, I've just had my cup of tea. I have my sweater on. I've put on my, I, I, I have socks on. I actually also wear shoes when I'm in the house because my house is cold. And now in addition to that, it's cold outside. So it's cold twice. And I don't want to get sick. So I have my shoes on. I have shoes, like just clean shoes that I wear. Clean shoes that I can wear outside that I wear in the house. Since, you know, COVID happened, we are not going anywhere as much. So, uh, yeah, I just have one of the shoes that I just wear when I'm inside the house to just keep warm and protect me from this cold floor. Yeah, anyway, <laughs> I hope you guys are okay and that you're fine and please remember to stay hydrated you know when it's also cold people don't drink water that's another thing so remember to drink a glass of warm water now that it's cold or drink tea like strungy tea because it's just water and tea leaves so it's like you're still drinking water <laughs> or juice or something i don't know so today i wanted to talk about my industry the industry i'm in and five let's say five, okay, six challenges that I have faced in my industry and anyone who's in the printing and branding industry can relate to some of these challenges because at some point, actually, it gets to a point you're just like, you know what, to Mesha Zoya, we've just accepted. I remember there was a time when I was in a business partnership, still doing this printing and branding, and my business partner then was not the most cooperative person i remember that was a time that i was very i used to be very stressed uh and everything like it was a very low point for me and i remember at one point just telling my mom like you know what i am done with this printing and branding industry mimi ninaenda i'm going to apply for jobs on linkedin and i want to go and apply for jobs i want to go work like in the us or something i am just tired like i was so fed up I and that's a story for another day that business partnership um I was so fed up I was so tired I was just like you know what I'd rather even be employed at this point I'd rather be employed I don't want to do I don't want to do anything in regards to printing branding I'm done and the industry was not the issue the issue is the person I was working with was not cooperative never used to come to work used to love, leave projects hanging and I have to just pick them up from the middle of nowhere and it would create a lot of stress and tension between me and uh, my business partner and also me and the clients because clients sometimes would be confused like we're trying to call this person why are they not answering and i'm like oh was there a job is there a job they were doing for you they're like yeah there's this job they said they were going to deliver they are now unavailable and things like that anyway i remember trying to to just i was fed up with the industry and i was fed up with being self-employed and my mom told me, like, you know, uh, she just looked at me. She was like, you know, every job has its challenges. 
Uh, so me, if you ask me, I'd rather say you stick in this industry because at least you know the challenges of the industry and you know how to handle them. Because even if you move to another industry, you'll just have to deal with the challenges of that new industry. And I was like, but then she's right. <laughs> but then she, with that statement, she just convinced me because I was like, it's true. Every job has its challenge. Like there's no easy job. There's actually no easy job. But border riders right now, is, maybe it's, if you if you think maybe being a border rider is easy, it's not. Right now it's raining, it's cold. You have to have an umbrella. You have to ensure that you're, you don't get sick, like you stay warm. Maybe you've carried someone in an Uber, if maybe in the Uber business, and they say, yeah, I'll send you the money via M-Pesa. They don't pay you and they just go with your money and there's nothing you can do about it. Uh, maybe you're an influencer. You have to figure out how to produce content, take pictures for yourself. Maybe it's editing videos how to target clients how to get sponsorship and all that so every job has its challenge and after she told me that i was like you know what it's true i will not even like <laughs> i will not even debate i will just figure a way around the challenge i was having at that time and thank god we moved from that right now i'm okay i'm happy i actually love i still love the printing and branding and in industry i like being a sales and market a sales and marketing person and yeah let's just go straight into these challenges that are in this industry of ours number one um oh and maybe i should mention i got the inspiration to do this video from uh the gary v youtube videos i've been listening to his videos and as of when i think thursday or friday last week and i was like Everything he kept saying really related and resonated with me because uh, there's a, the, the first video I watched, one of the things he mentions is that if you're in a specific industry, it is your responsibility to talk about that industry and inform people about that industry. It's you to set the content around that industry. And uh, another thing he said was that, um, for example, you have a a bad job maybe you don't like your job and every day you leave your job and you come home and you watch what is this you're seeing friends the show friends and that's the thing that makes you the most like the happiest like you just watch you like watching friends the friends show and stuff like that me i love watching modern family actually that's the only thing when i format my machine i can never agree to be to be removed i actually formatted my machine recently and i just remember i was like delete everything else but leave modern family the show and so he was saying like you can find that instead of complaining about your shitty job what you can do is create content around friends the show like just record yourself talking about what you love about the show why you like this episode like maybe you can be uh what is it listen like every episode you break down every episode according to what you love what you understand stuff like that what makes you love the show and funny enough you always find people who have the same love and passion for maybe the same thing as you and they will be attracted and would want to listen to you and he was like it could be anything it could be even what example did he give it could be pickles you could love pickles and you decide to create content around pickles it doesn't matter so anyway um i've been trying to figure out social media because i find social media very difficult i had this fear in regards to social media putting myself out there always makes me always made me feel like like i get scared but um 
listening to his youtube videos have really has really opened up my mind i'm a bit more relaxed at least i have an idea of what i want i i have an idea of what i want to do and also things that i was caring too much about i no longer care about them as such because there's a time uh especially when i was right starting the podcast the instagram page for this podcast which is at mbl underscore podcast that's mango banana lemon underscore podcast you can follow us there one of the things i was like oh i want it to be aesthetic i want it to match i want it to be like picture video picture or you know the people's instagram accounts always look so nice and one of the things gary v said is that instagram is not a photo album <laughs> and i remember when i heard that i was like yo thank you because in my head i kept thinking like maybe that is what will attract people to the page but once he said that i was like yeah like i shouldn't be concerned so much concerned about everything matching and having like an aesthetic you know my concern should be producing content that is of quality anyway that was my inspiration of why i did this video and since i'm in the printing and branding industry i want to create content in regards to also like in, in in addition to small businesses and talking about small businesses which i have a passion for i also want to talk about what i do and the industry i'm in and just to give you an idea in case you didn't know so in case you're wondering like did i go to school for printing and branding no uh i in for my degree i was in Daystar and i did a degree a ba in communications my major was um public relations and my minor was marketing but I never got a job in public relations. I always got sales and marketing jobs. In 2010, I got a job in a tourism firm where I was doing for them sales and marketing. I was hired in February 14th, fired December 1st. But I was fired in that job because I didn't know how to calculate the... Um, like when someone says they want to go to Masai Mara, there's the way you calculate the distance and all that the fuel and all that all that allows you to be able to give a price to the client and that was the place i was having a challenge with because mathematics doesn't come very easy to me i actually really struggle when it comes to calculations and so i think my boss really tried to teach me there's a colleague of mine who was also trying to teach teach me how to do the calculations but i always used to get it wrong so i think eventually my boss was like who you who you are shikanishi so <laughs> I was let go. And I think they also feared that I might give a client a wrong calculation, like under quote, because most of the time I would either under quote or really have over quote. So yeah, and then after that, after that job, I stayed jobless for I think two and a half years, three years. And then I got a job in the printing and branding industry, doing sales and marketing. And that's where I learned everything that I know now. I was taught how to talk to clients, how to do cold calls, how to go for meetings, how to talk to how to write emails to corporates, how to sell. Like now I understood, I now I was able to learn everything in regards to printing, like flyers, brochures, booklets, promo, all these things. That's where I learned it now. So that's how I got into the industry. And I can say my strong point is the sales. I'm good at selling and I'm good at talking. I can talk to anyone. I'm, I never feel, I'm never one like when I go to a meeting, I feel a bit nervous but I never feel so nervous where it's overwhelming and I can't talk. I am actually very articulate. I can talk to anyone. I can market to anyone. I can sell to anyone. I'm never as scared of someone telling me, no, they don't need my products or my services. Because I've made so many cold calls in my life. So many. I think I've called every company in Nairobi. 
like cold calling them i'm never scared when a client when a client tells me no we have someone else we are working with this company we don't want to work with you that never freaks me out i'm already used to it i think this industry has taught me to have very tough skin so yeah that is how i got into the printing and branding industry in summary <laughs> and that's why i am right now and i really love my job i love my job because it's taught me a lot uh i work with a variety of corporates from ngos to people in the cinema business to people in banks and i've learned so many to people who sell vehicles and i've learned so much about other industries and one thing i'm always proud of myself is that um because one of the clients that i've worked with and is is Simba Corp and i remember there was a time i applied for a job there <laughs> and i obviously didn't get the job and years later i ended up doing work for them like we print we use, we print for them we were printing for them teardrops and i remember looking back and i was like like i applied for a job in this company and i didn't get it but now on my own with my own company i've been able to be a supplier for this institution and i was so i felt like it's just a full circle like you know sometimes you see things here but maybe god is seeing like a bigger plan for your life and i was like oof i was like this is even better because then i control the narrative like it's me who's a supplier anyway yeah but now this industry that i love so much and that is my livelihood has its own challenges ai challenge numero uno, pressure kila mtu anakuanga na pressure everyone has pressure oh we need these things now now we need these things now oh we need we needed these things like yesterday everyone usually has pressure for things and oh, i really really don't like it and i remember right now Right now that I work for myself, I'll be honest, I have the best clients. My clients are understanding or let's say I have just learned how to properly communicate with my clients and tell them this is what I can do. This is the timeline. This is how long it will take. Are you okay with this timeline? But when I was employed, oh my god. I remember those this particular client, they always asked for things like at 11 and they would need them by close of business. and they would be like i remember this time they asked us for like five roll up banners for an event and she, and she called me like 11 at 11 she's like oh we have an event can you be able to do five roll up banners so in a normal setting where it's not a big company where there are other sales and marketing people it can be done but now think about it like this you're not the only sales person there are other people whose jobs are also ongoing my boss then also was in the, was also in marketing that means he used to have his own clients and used to sell his own things so when you're taking your five roller banners to the production team you're seeing the machine is actually running a job that cannot be paused maybe there are like 10000 stickers being printed there and the job cannot be can cannot be stopped to print your roller banners and this client is like yeah hey, we need these things by five for an event and therefore i remember one of the things i picked from that like one of the things i really hated was that pressure and then i noticed the when i used to work like when i was employed one of the habits i picked up was that anxiety like i was always on edge because you're always working with people who is like want things now and then you're also in the sales team you have targets to meet so you can't say no you have to say yes to the job and then you always with the production team trying to push them lying to them like oh the timeline is at 3 or the client is complaining please just print the, my work so you're always bickering with the production team 
And over time, you notice that you actually, for me, I picked up the habit. Like I used to find like every time a job comes, I'm on edge. I'm always like, oh my God, we need this job now. Like you find yourself lying to the production team, how quickly you want the job. So even the work could be due the next day, but you're there telling the production team like, oh, these things are needed by five. The client needs them for an event tomorrow at eight. But in the real sense, the work maybe is needed maybe by 10 the next day. But we used to lie because there are so many people there are so many of us in the sales team. All these jobs need to be done. And if you've already promised the client you're going to do them. So if you don't do, then it becomes a problem. The client says like, oh, you're not a good supplier. So yeah, I picked, I remember my anxiety actually picked when I was working that job one. And I would lie a lot. <laughs> I'm not proud of it, but I would find myself lying a lot to people in the production team because you want your work to be given priority. So you'd find you're lying a lot. And you're always like in these confrontations with people in the production team. And I really didn't like it. I actually didn't like it. And I remember promising myself like the day I start my own company, I will not allow this at all. I will not allow it. And I remember there's once with this pressure, eh? We did, the client asked for those, actually it's those same roller banners, they asked for them for the event. Luckily they were done. The thing is, from, as a procurement manager who's sitting at the office, it seems like it's very quick. It's just printing and mounting them on a stand. It's not that easy. You print the banners. First, first you have the artwork. You rip the artwork. So you have a software that rips the artwork because it can't be printed as easy. It has to be... Okay, I don't know how to explain it, but it has, something has to be done to the artwork where it's ripped, which it's, makes it ready for printing. So once it rips, uh, that takes time. Ripping can take, let's say, like 20 minutes, depending on how heavy your artwork to 20 minutes to 30 minutes. So once you rip the artwork, then you start printing the work. So once you print the work, so you put this into perspective. A roller banner is 85 centimeters width by 200 centimeters height. You need five of those. So you print that. The artwork dries. And if it's a solid color, that means if it's just like red, all red or all black, it needs time to actually dry so that it doesn't smudge. So it dries. You cut it. You now cut out the artwork. Then you mount it on a stand. Then you transport it. So it takes a bit of time. And then you're not the only person. There are other jobs that are ongoing. So I remember that job was delivered. They, I called the client, I was like, oh, can I bring them to the office? And they were like, oh, no, we already, I'm heading to the event, take them straight to the event. So they were taken to the event. And the next day, or was it the day after that, the client called me saying that the roller banners we supplied them were bad. Mark you, these roller banners were good. But the thing is, if you, it's an event, maybe the person who's handling this roller banner doesn't know how to, doesn't know how to, what is it? Doesn't know how to mount a roll-up banner. You'll find that in the process of lifting the banner and mounting it, you pull it too much, it disconnects. Maybe you break, maybe you separate. There's a metal ledge on the top. Maybe you disconnect that part from the bottom part. It can be just be mishandled and just something so simple because that thing is not made to be sturdy. You find that you end up ruining, like the person who's doing the mounting at the event ends up ruining the roller banner. And because the procurement manager, the marketing manager didn't look at the items before they went to the event, when they are being brought to their office, they've already been used for the event and they're already ruined. They say that we delivered something that was bad. And I remember by the time I was leaving that company, that issue had not been solved because that client was saying they will not pay for the banners. 
And my boss had seen the work before it left. And he said, these things were actually in good condition. So what do you mean that you won't pay? Maybe it's the person who was handling these things at the event that ruined them. So it became like a lot of back and forth. And you see, that's what I mean. Those are some of the challenges of the industry that can be like, can be bad. And then now if it's you, you know, you've already used your money. So when this client says they're not going to pay you, you're the one who's going to go through the loss. Um, so pressure. I personally, right right now, I have the best clients, but I also communicate to them. So this has really reduced from where it used to be. Let's say it was at eight, it was at eighty five percent, ninety percent when I was employed. Right now it's like at thirty, and when it goes too much, maybe fifty. That's as much pressure as I allow. Uh, number two is timelines, and this is related to pressure. Somehow people, I don't know how clients like just remember like at 11 that they need roller banners for an event that is due at an event that's at five. Why is it that corporate companies sometimes don't communicate in good time? I know sometimes they say these approvals take time and therefore that is why, you know, we've not been able to print them on time. But I'm like this. I remember my boss used to say this printing, see your photocopy. It's true. It is not photocopy. It's not like putting a paper in a machine and it comes out. It's a process. If it's paper, it has to dry. It has to be cut. It has to be packaged. If it's a booklet, it has to be printed. It has to be cut. It has to be stapled. It has to actually, it has to be arranged then stapled. So it's a process. So these short timelines, I always tell like my fellow printers, the people I work with, please communicate to their client that these things take time to be made. And any job from my experience, most of the jobs that I've done that have extremely short timelines, and it's usually not like my fault, it's usually the client's fault, always have an error. Something always happens. Either the book will be cut wrongly, you'll find that the pages were not arranged. There's always something because everyone in the supply chain, like in that chain, maybe the person who is putting the book together, maybe the person who's cutting the book is under pressure or they're under pressure. And therefore, in the process, something always happens. And that's booklet or flyer or whatever gets ruined and then when it gets to the client maybe you have not seen it because of the pressure it gets to the client they see the book then they're like why did you bring this why is it like this why didn't you do it the right way and they tell you they're not going to pay you or you repeat the project you repeat the work with your own money so timelines always communicate for me i tell the people in this industry communicate with the supplier that these timelines are like not with your supplier communicate with your client about the timelines tell them that this takes this long explain actually me i've got to the point where i literally have taken a video to show a client like this is how long it takes and we are doing this for each and every item this is why we cannot deliver it by a certain period because also them they don't know that's another thing the corporates probably don't know what the process is you know and that's why maybe they think it can be done in a short timeline and you know like yeah that's what i usually like Honestly, that's what I usually think. And there are those suppliers who are out there who are delivering in those short timelines. And therefore, sometimes when you do the job for your client, maybe when you tell this client that you can't deliver in that short timeline, the clients, the corporate clients who tell you like, oh, but company X was able to deliver. Okay, then why are you not giving the job to company X? Because I also, that's another thing. I don't like when corporates compare this supplier to another supplier just because this company or this supplier was able to deliver that job within i don't know few hours maybe they didn't have another job maybe that was the only job that they are doing 
and therefore that's why they were able to deliver it very fast but for you if you have other jobs that are ongoing and you've taken this other job or maybe there's a challenge and you're telling the client i can't be able to deliver by this timeline and then you have a client telling you like oh but this person was able to deliver by this timeline oh, most of the time i'm usually just like surely like just because cooperative bank banking with a minimum maybe to have in the account is zero does not mean Barclays minimum account is zero they are both banks but they have different rules it's not the same okay another thing is uh people clients asking for quotations uh but they don't give you the full specs that's another challenge for industry so by specs i mean that when you're asking for uh let's say printing of flyers uh, we expect to be able to do a quotation. The client should be able to tell you like we need flyers printed on 150 GSM, printed on both sides in full color, and the quantity is maybe 200 pieces. With that, you're able to do a quotation. But there are instances where, and I've experienced this, where a client tells you we need a thousand flyers printed on. We they tell we we need a thousand flyers. Uh, we need printing of a thousand flyers. And then you respond to the email. I'm like, okay, uh, could you please tell us the paper you want it printed on? Is it printed on both sides or on one side? Which size is the fly? Is it an A5? Is it an A4? Is it, is it an A3? Is it a DL? And then the client responds with uh, another, at a, those are the only specs that we have. Kindly provide a quotation. Then, I'm, then I remember, because this has happened to me, I remember responding to this client and telling them like we can't provide a quote without these specs unless we guess the specs for you and if we guess and then you change like maybe i write 150 gsm and then maybe you want your flyer on maybe 300 gsm that affects the price and i remember this client responding and saying like other suppliers have been able to provide us a quote with just these specs and i was just like what Okay, I didn't even respond to that. Actually, after they sent me that, I didn't respond. I actually just left that quotation. Because if you know anyone in the printing and branding industry, it is impossible to do a quotation without the specs. You need to know which paper are we printing this flyer on. Are we printing it on one side? Is it two sides? What size is the artwork? Is it an A4? Is it an A5? Is it an A3? Is it an A4 filled into an A5? What is it? Is it being printed in one color or is it being printed in full color? With that, you can be able to do a precise quotation. The challenge with not having all the specs and probably guessing the, guessing the specs for the client is that if they change something, maybe you've quoted for 150 GSM and then they say we want 250 GSM, or they, you've guessed maybe their fly is A5 and maybe their fly is an A4. That affects the price. And there have been instances where the client says, oh, but you told us this is the price. But you're trying to explain to the client, yeah, but your specs have changed. That's why we've increased the price. And then you have an instance where the client is like, oh, why are you changing the price? That happens. So for most quotations that I've seen, or let me see for myself and some companies that I know, most of the things, if you see they've received if you see a quotation from them it's written if you change the specs of this item please note that the price will change they always put put that note at the quotation so that you know that when you decide you now don't want 150 gsm you want 300 that will affect the price 
So that's what most people do in order to protect themselves because there are instances where a client says, oh, you already gave us the price. This is the price we already gave to procurement. We can't change the price. But you're trying to tell the client you change the spec, so I have to change the price. And therefore, you, when they challenge, when they say no, you just tell them, please look at the quote. We wrote it there in the quotation. When you change the specs, we have to change the price. And you'll say with that, at least it protects you. So I always have that on my on my on my quote when I'm sending out to quote to clients. But like I said, at the end of the day, if you're starting your own company, these are things I experienced when I was employed. Like one of these things, like this one for a client telling you like, but company X was able to do a quotation for us. I don't have experienced once when I've worked for myself, but I always say this, if it's your company, you can control the narrative. You can control what you can allow and what you cannot allow. If, and be, and explain to your clients so that they understand. Just tell them, without these specs, I cannot do the price. Explain to them so that they understand. Also, don't get mad as a supplier and say to them, how do you expect to get me to give you a price then if you don't give me the specs? No, don't do that. Explain to them why the specs are essential in making the quotation. Yeah. Um, yeah, so if it's your company, control the narrative. Know what you can agree, allow, what you cannot allow. Um, the other challenge for our industry is um, no artworks. So luckily for me, all my clients, all of them, always have artworks, always have artworks. They have designers or they have agencies maybe who do the designs. The ones who don't have design, they ask us to design for them. It's good. We have a, we have a designer that we work with, but most of them have designs. But I remember like this artwork thing is always an issue. A client can come to you with the specs and everything and they tell you that they want this item, but they don't have the artwork. So you are a printer and maybe you don't have a designer in-house and you tell them, okay, do you have artwork? They say no. Or they say yes, but when they send you the design, it's a JPEG or it's a locked artwork. Locked artwork that for me, from my experience, what I've learned, locked artwork usually is. There was a designer X paid somewhere was not paid a designer x was asked to design this work probably they were not paid or that design was by maybe an agency or another printing company no actually an agency no by another printing company because printers are the ones who do that so maybe you want to change your printer from printer a to printer b so you ask printer a can you give me my artwork most people what they do is they send you artwork that's locked so you, you don't want to work with printer A, you want to work with printer B. So when print when this client sends me the artwork, it's locked. And so I tell the client like, yo, this artwork is locked. It seems I can't access. Please ask printer A to give you the password. They refuse because that has happened. Because then that printer A knows that this client is trying to, re to give this work to somebody else. So what they do is like they make you, now printer B, to design the workforce from scratch in order to print the work that has happened before it's just industry beef that happens so yes so sometimes a client has no artwork or they have an artwork but it's jpeg and cannot be used that means maybe it's pixelating and it can't be used to print and then sometimes they have artwork but it's locked and therefore you have to dis design the work from scratch so what i always Clients, please, if you're listening, design, graphic designers are people who do, like, it's a skill. 
I've seen I've I work with a variety of designers because I have designers that I go to for booklets, designers that I go for to for flyers and stuff like that. And the common concern I've had is that uh, a supplier, t- a client telling you, oh, this is, this, you're charging us a lot for design. If you don't have your concept ready, this designer has to think for an, think about an idea, create for you a concept for your roller banner, for your book or for your booklet or your flyer. That is a skill. That is something they went to school for. All the and plus maybe years of experience working in that industry. When they tell you that thing is 10,000, you can negotiate with them, but please don't tell them that it is a lot of money because that is a skill. That's like any other skill. And that is why designers do the things they do. Designers actually lock, like in the printing industry, until a client pays you, you will find most designers will send the client locked artwork with a password. So that client cannot access the artwork unless they are paid first. Because we've had instances where a designer does the job, the artwork is not locked, they send it to the client, the client refuses to pay them, one. And they already have the artwork, they're using it. Number two, uh, they might decide uh, to start negotiating with you after you've done a lot of back and forth. Because design is a lot. Design is coming up with the concept. Then sending it to the client. Then there are usually changes that have to move or move this here, put here, this here. They charge for all that. Experienced designers will charge you for everything. Even the more you do the back and forth, they actually add the cost. And then you have a client telling you like, oh, thanks for the artwork, but this price you've given us is a lot of money. And they forget all the work that you have done for them. The back and forth, the changing the artwork, they what, they forget all that. And I always feel that's very unfair, especially for someone who's worked with designers and I work with designers on a day-to-day basis. Pay them. Pay them their work because that is a skill. It's not something you can go to paint and do. It's, it's not, you, re, you need to have the skill to be able to design. I know designers who charge 50000 and they get work here in this country. They, get, they charge booklets but because they're ch- charging you for the skill. When they take your book and design it, they put their creativity into it. So don't haggle with graphic designers. If you think you're going to haggle with graphic designers, look for someone to design. Maybe, I don't know who, maybe an agency, I don't know. Find someone, but at the end of the day, whoever you're finding is a designer or hire one who works in your office full-time. If it's a corporate office, look for an in-house corporate, an in-house graphic designer who just is to come up with a design. And so when you guys need anything, you just send this artwork, this work to the, this artworks to your printer so that they print. I feel like that is easier. Yeah. Um, the other thing is asking for samples with no LPO. <laughs> this one, I don't even know. <laughs> now, if you don't know what a local purchase order is or an LPO is, an LPO is uh, how it works is that, for example, I a client has uh, has asked me to quote for something, let's say like five roller banners. I quote for those five roller banners. I send them the quotation. They decide to work with me as a supplier. What they give me, they don't pay me cash to go do the the job. They give me something called a local purchase order. That's an LPO. So with the LPO, it means that me and this company have got into a contract and they have chosen me as a supplier to do their job. And so with this LPO, I go do the job. 
uh, once I do the job, I deliver to them, I give them their invoice, the D-note, they pay me after, th most LPOs you're paid after 30 days. Some companies pay after two weeks, but most companies pay you 30 days. Ikienda sana 45, but if you've listened to my other episode of when someone stayed with my payment for seven months, that happened. So if it's a good client, an ideal client will pay you after 30 days. A great client will pay you after two weeks. <laughs> yes. Anyway. Uh, yeah. Uh, so with so now that's that's what an LPO is in case you don't know. So there's this thing where clients, especially for our industry, they want maybe branded cups or mugs or t-shirts or whatever. So you as a, you don't have an LPO, you take your money, you go buy. If it's a cheap item for me, I never feel the pinch. If it's something like a flash disk, I sometimes don't feel the pinch. But I think I stopped doing free samples because of things I've discovered in the industry and some of the things clients have <laughs> Kenyans Kenyans are just tricky anyway there are things I've learned along the way but so what happens is for example a sample t-shirt if you want a sample t-shirt done for you that's like 2k you have to pay you as the supplier you pay 2k then you take it to the it's the sample is done you take it to the corporate you and all the other suppliers who've been picked to provide samples, you take, and then the client decides, we'll pick this person. And, yeah, we, we pick company X and not pick the other companies based on the samples. This is the challenge I have with giving samples before you have an LPO. You have already used money to do that job. Whether it's 1000 whether it's 500 for flyers, I don't feel the pain because it's a pinch. But if it's a promotional item, I feel the pinch because it's not cheap. It's a thousand shillings. That is not. That's money. So you use your money to do this sample and give it to the client. They decide maybe they won't pick you because your branding is not good. Or maybe sometimes your branding is perfect, but they just decide to work with company X. And I've had instances where the client, when you ask them for your sample back, some refuse or some tell you oh yeah we they just come up with a reason for example if it's especially if it's a promotional product like a water bottle flash disc like things that can be used you'll find most of those samples once you give them sometimes they if you're one of those suppliers who won't ask for it back you'll find that it won't be returned to you and as a supplier like me i have to calculate every single shilling in my Every single shilling that I have to account for it. So if I am doing for you a sample, that's 2000 inclusive of delivery to you. My rule is that if I'm not picked as the supplier, I expect you to bring back my, I expect to pick back my sample from the client. I never leave my sample with the client. Then that sample, when I leave it in the office, it can be used to when the sales team is going for maybe meetings, they can carry it as a sample to show other clients that this is what we can do, this is what we branded, this. Yes, that's usually my rule. I remember when I was employed, my boss would be would get so mad that we would go for meetings with samples and then we leave these samples in the offices and these samples don't come back. So when he wants to go for his own meeting and he remembers, oh, I branded this water bottle, I branded this thing, and he's trying to figure out where this thing is, you find out that, oh, one of the salespeople, me included, probably left it somewhere in a, in somebody's office. 
and we would, we would be deducted money for that. Actually, my boss would cut your money, your salary for that. Because samples cost money. And for corporates who ask, always, okay, I understand why corporates insist on samples before they pick a supply. I 100% understand. I do understand. And I think as a supplier, you should know, this is a client I can do a sample for. This is a client I cannot do a sample for based on your own experience. There are clients, there are corporate clients, me, I cannot do a sample for. Because they, they, you take your sample and then I've had a story. I have had a story and I have seen this happen. Where you do a sample, you take to a client. They take that sample and give the supplier they want to give their work. And they tell them, this is a good sample. They give that other supplier the job and they use your sample. And so that person goes and is given the job. But this whole thing was based on your sample. I have seen that happen. I have had that happen. And that is why I'm saying it depends with the client that you're working with, the relationship that you have with them. Also put your ear in the ground. Printers are all at the same place. Listen to what other printers are saying. What are they saying about this client? What have you had before? Because that's the only way you know about information and stories like this. Because the people, the companies that own these machines that do some of this unique branding, maybe if it's t-shirts or maybe it's hoodies Maybe it's flash disks. I know that many actually. And therefore you might find when sometimes a sample is being done for something specific or something unique, all of you are just going to the same person who has this machine. Because these machines cost, some of these things cost like 10 million, 5 million. You'll find you all are doing, you'll hear someone saying, oh, this is the third sample. This is the third flash disk we've branded for this company. There are other people who came who also are branding this flash disk. So you have to be one who listens. And so, you know, when you're taking this sample to this client, you're not the only one, and you all branded it at the same place. So as a supplier would say, know which client that you want to, like know your client, like do your investigation, listen to the ground, listen to what other suppliers are saying regarding this client and judge, do I want to do a sample for this client before? Or do you be like, hey, Apana, you know that this client at the end of the day will pick a specific supplier so there is no need. Or maybe you're just like, you know, for us, we have to do, you have to, you have to, see, you have to give us an LPO before we invest money doing a sample for you. Yeah, because an, an LP, once you, I always feel like if you'd rather give me an LPO, maybe you give me an LPO to do the job for you. I do a sample first. If you feel the sample is not good, just cancel the LPO. But I do understand why corporates don't want to go through that whole process. They'd rather just look at the samples and they decide from the samples. But I've also had another story where <laughs> I'm telling you Kenyans are tricky that apparently was this company that would ask suppliers to supply these posters. And I remember actually seeing the posters. And I used to wonder why this posters were like different shades of this color like they they were not all similar and this person told me oh this company what they do so this person is not a printer but has worked with this company before and what this company does is that they ask suppliers maybe they need 10 posters so they ask 10 suppliers and when those 10 suppliers each bring a sample then you see they already have their 10 posters and that's it <laughs> so you'll keep asking for your job like, oh, you'll keep asking, like, hey, you guys, did you decide on the work? Did you decide on whether we, we which supplier to work with? You, you keep calling them, and they're like, no, no, we've not decided. But at the end of the day, they wanted 10 posters 
they looked for 10 suppliers, asked all 10 suppliers to provide a sample each, and there they have 10 posters. So I'm telling you, it's up to you based on your experience. Know who you want to provide a sample for, who you don't, based on you. <laughs> anyway, but from what I, from my experience I've seen, if you explain to a client or you tell them, listen, I can't do your exact sample, but I've had other jobs that I've done. Because if you've done printing for a long time, you'll find out that you have a variety of samples. So you're like, I have a variety of samples. Maybe it's polos or hoodies. I can show you one that we've done for maybe client X. So you can see the kind of work we are doing. Some corporates, by there are easy. They're like, yeah, it's okay, no problem. That will help us determine. So it's up to you. So yeah, those are some of the challenges for my industry. I feel like this video is, this at a video, this episode is long, it's actually very long. But yeah, those are some of the challenges. These are all based on my experiences. If you're corporate listening to this, please don't take this personally. These are my experiences. Some of the things that I've seen, learned, had, personally experienced myself. And the reason we are doing this is to help each other grow, help each other do better. And maybe from your side as a procurement or a marketing manager, you don't know that it actually takes this amount of time to do this item. And maybe that's why there's the pressure given. So we are doing this in order to learn, in order to grow, in order to inform each other, in order for us to do better and improve. It's as simple as that. So in case you also didn't know about the printing and branding, branding industry, how I got into it, now you know. Now I've at least I've explained to you some of the challenges of our industry. And if you still want to get into it, feel free. Anyway, thank you for listening and I will see you guys next week. And please follow us on Instagram. Our page is at MBL Mango Banana Lemon underscore podcast. Bye.